You stand on the shore of the ocean watching the tide come in. You sense the call of the sea beckoning to take you further. You step forward little by little, not knowing what to expect, but expecting more. You keep going as the ocean calls, calls you to enter in to deeper waters. everyone, I'm Nick Peters. Welcome to the Deeper Waters Podcast, seeking to bring you the very best in Christian scholarship and apologetics. And today we've been talking this month about marriage and family. And we've got a lady here. This is a guest I've wanted to have on twice before. And <laughs> twice before something has gone wrong. I was just telling her on pre-show, I, said, I, I was half expecting a rap show to take place before <laughs> <laughs> this interview came. But... Her story is very famous. I was telling one of my friends about wanting to get her on, he said, good luck with that. And I was like, well, my, my luck is going to be here. here. And I, I'm just honored to have her. You probably you might have heard her story. She's at Rosaria Butterfield. She was a PhD. She's got a PhD from Ohio mm-hmm. State University and served in the English mm-hmm. department. And she was a lesbian at the time and an atheist. And mm-hmm. today, she is a preacher's wife. Mm-hmm. Dr. True. Butterfield, welcome to the Deeper Waters podcast. Thank you, Nick. It's an honor to be on your show. Now, it's an honor to have you here. You know, I, I keep thinking right now about Sesame Street song. One of these things is not like the other here. <laughs> how, how do you get from being... An atheist lesbian who I'm guessing would probably be an anti-Christian as well, to being a preacher's wife. <laughs> well, I would say you get there through the normal means of being an image bearer of a holy God mm-hmm. who was lost, who did not know what it really meant to be a person mm-hmm. created in God's image. Uh, to being someone who only through the grace of Christ is, is redeemed and changed. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the big picture answer. The, the, you know, the, the, the grid of it, the details is that when I was a professor, I wasn't just someone who ignored the issue of the Christian faith. I found the Christian faith to be threatening Mm -hmm. and dangerous. And so when I, uh, when I was in a lesbian relationship and I was at, uh, at that point a professor at Syracuse University, after my tenure book was written and after my tenure was you know, pretty secure, I started writing a book on the religious right and their hatred against people like me. Mm-hmm. And to do that, I had to read the Bible because I am an English professor. So it wasn't going to be enough just to interview people and say, hey, how did you get here? And in the process of reading the Bible and writing some articles, I wrote an article against the promise keepers, the Christian men's movement and a local pastor read the article in the newspaper and contacted me and said, Hey, would you like to have dinner with me and my wife? And we can talk about these things. And I was really interested to do that. 
because I was really interested to know why, you know, seemingly intelligent, well-meaning people would would believe in the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that began a very long friendship, a friendship that continues to this day uh, with a, a, a pastor who reached out to me and showed me hospitality and also walked through me, I mean, walked with me through this, this very, uh, very dangerous and very treacherous experience called committing your life to Jesus because it involves dying to yourself and it involves dying to the, the things that you, that you love. And it also involves, and this is probably the hardest thing, it involves identifying your idols and killing them. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is not easy and it's not pleasant, um, but it's necessary and it's good. Mm-hmm. So there's much loss involved in dying to self and there's much gain. But what I would say is that what happened to me is it's almost a cliche, but except for the fact that it's true, that when Jesus gets a hold of a person, everything changes but some of it changes very slowly and mm-hmm. that's where it gets challenging. Yeah. So when, when I became a Christian, everything changed. I mean, my, I was on fire for the Bible and for, for the things of God. And I was excited about that. And at the same time, it seemed like nothing changed because I didn't stop feeling like a lesbian that mm-hmm. those, those things changed mm-hmm. much more, much more slowly and over, over a, you know, a series over, over a time sequence. But I think that's the difference between Mm. justification and sanctification. I think that's the difference between being born again and then learning to live as a Christian. And there are some Christians, I think we could say, who, who come to Christ with the struggle of homosexual temptations and they might never, they might never get past from this side of eternity. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and I don't think that that's, that, that is, um, I don't think that's because there's something wrong if with you. I mean, if you, yeah. you're, if you, a listener, is hearing this and saying, "Well, I've come to Christ, and and those those feelings have not changed," you know, one of the realities of life on Earth is that we will always and daily deal with the original sin that distorts us, mm-hmm. the actual sin that distracts us and the indwelling sin that manipulates us. And that's true for every believer. And um, Mm -hmm. the only time at which you and I will experience glory Mm -hmm. is when either the Lord comes back or we die and and go to be with the Lord. Until then, we will struggle against the sins of the flesh. And for many of us, same-sex attraction is one of the imprints of Adam on Mm -hmm. our life. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Butterfield, there are some times that people will hear about someone who's been living a straight lifestyle and then they go and become a homosexual and embrace our lifestyle. They say they found their true selves and yes. such. Yeah. And then when someone like you does the opposite, you're hating yourself and you're living in self-denial and things like that. It, I mean, is there any way we can tell which one of you is right? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great, great, great question. So I'm 55 years old mm-hmm. and I did not, I did not identify as a lesbian until I was 28 years old. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I had dated men and I had really tried to make that work because I thought that was, you know, 
that that's what you did. Then that's what you're supposed to do. And when I met my first lesbian lover, life finally came together for me and made sense. And I thought, okay, well, this is who I am. I'm a late bloomer and this is who I am. And it wasn't all that unusual for women of my generation. We, we embraced uh, a, a poet and a thinker and a writer whose, whose name is Adrian Rich. And she wrote an article, a um, very important article in the lesbian community called Heterosexual Oh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of this article, but it has to do with um, oh, it has to do with uh, the erasure of lesbians by the I would call it compulsory heterosexuality mm-hmm. and lesbian existence. And so the idea was because heterosexuality is just compulsory in you know in in culture, you have to you have to find you have to go out of your way to find yourself. Now whether that's true, whether that's not true, I mean I. I I don't know, but what I will say is that we are all born in Adam. And that means that we are all born with an insatiable desire for things that God doesn't want for us. Mm-hmm. And whether that's a same-sex lover or whether that's um, pornography or whether that's alcohol to, you know, to a uh, dangerous uh, degree, or whether that's lying or whether that's gambling or cheating, we're all born with an insatiable desire for something that ultimately God will not let us have. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's, that's the Christian story. That's the story from Genesis one to revelation. And what makes this all very hard to understand when it comes to homosexuality is that in the 19th century, Sigmund Freud and others introduced a new category of personhood. Mm -hmm. And that new category was not image bearer of a holy God who may or may not have rejected the God who made her, but rather it was the idea that you are a sexual being Mm -hmm. and that your true category of personhood, the true you is going to be determined by how you are oriented sexually. And mm-hmm. so this was, this is where sexual orientation was born. It was a mm-hmm. new category. It was invented by Freud. And for many of us, and especially for Christians, we have to say that's a category mistake. Mm-hmm. Sexuality, biblically speaking, serves not your lust, but God's economy. Mm-hmm. So that, so those are two different things. So, so one, I'm not in any way suggesting that through original sin, people might not be born with a sexual desire that leans towards homosexuality or heterosexuality. I'm not denying that at all. Mm-hmm. What I'm just suggesting is that that does not tell me who you are or who I am. Mm-hmm. Rather, that tells me how you are or how I am in Adam. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk with people who are, who live this kind of lifestyle and such, one of the things that we're told is, you know, love is love. It doesn't matter if it's between a man and a man, a woman or a woman, or a man and a woman. Love is mm-hmm. love. And shouldn't we all be celebrating love? Right. Well, you know, that's that's always a, that's the challenging biblical moment, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because any emotion, mm-hmm. whether it's love or a kind of parental, even a you know, parenting, any kind of emotion or even relationship or role that is not mediated to Christ mm-hmm. will devour the object. 
Mm-hmm. So if you love me, mm-hmm. then you will mediate that through Christ. If mm-hmm. I love you, I will mediate that through Christ. That, that's, ex- that's exactly why it is a sin for a Christian to marry an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. It is it is not because of some, you know, just mean spiritedness on God's part. It's because any love not mediated through Christ is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Now then the question becomes this. Well, what did Christ have to say about homosexuality? And the answer is is everything, really. A biblical sexual ethic is at the center of the gospel, not at its margins. Mm -hmm. And we know that because Christ is part of the Godhead and the Godhead doesn't argue with each other. Mm -hmm. God, the father doesn't argue with God, the son and God, the Holy spirit about how we live and what it means. Mm -hmm. The, The Lord Jesus Christ died so that we can live. And what the book of Romans records is that we stand, if we are Christians, in the risen Christ alone, not in our own, mm-hmm. you know, moral cleanup job. So it shouldn't be surprising that we struggle with all manner of sexual sin. Mm-hmm. But when people say that love is love, they're either doing one of two things. Either they're not Christians, okay? If they're not Christians and they're saying love is love, then I would say, okay, well, that is a competing worldview, and it's not a worldview that will get you to the love that you need most, which is God's love. Mm-hmm. But if, if this person does claim to be a Christian and says that, and to me, that's where it gets more difficult. That's where we really need to be willing to have a hard apologetics conversation. Mm-hmm. Orthodox biblical Christianity is a different religion from quote unquote progressive liberal Christianity, or it's, it's neo-Orthodox offshoots, which come from the gay Christian movement. Mm. It has a totally different understanding of human origins and ending, totally different understanding of biblical authority. It disagrees, those two positions disagree with each other on the centrality of the cross. We don't agree about sexual ethics. We don't understand each other when we talk about the means of grace because we we don't share the same understanding of that. We don't share the same understanding of how one is justified before a holy God. And fundamentally, we don't even agree about God, whether God is holy and whether God's holiness has any bearing on our life. Mm-hmm. So when a, someone who claims to be a Christian does not maintain a biblical sexual ethic, you are dealing with one of two things. Both are difficult to confront both we must confront. Mm -hmm. You are either dealing with a lost sheep or you are dealing with a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm. At this point, I'd like to let people know we're doing this as briefly as we can because we've only got half an hour here of Dr. Butterfield today. (laughs) But uh, you can go to my website, deeperwatersofprojects.com if you want to donate and click on the link, help support the work of Deeper Waters Christian Ministries. It takes you to the ministry of Risen Jesus, that's my in-laws, Mike and Debbie Lacona. You get in touch with them or me or my wife, Allie, and say, I made a donation. I want to go to Nick Peters. I want to go to Deeper Waters. You can go on Amazon, search for some ebooks I've written or co-written. Just put in my name, Nick Peters, and you'll find ones like Defying Inerrancy or A Creed for the Ages. 
And guys, gotta tell you, Valentine's Day coming up next week here. We have a jewelry store. And for women in your life, they really like jewelry. You can purchase something and 25% of that goes to Deeper Waters. So you can buy something special for that lady in your life to make up for that big screw up that you recently did with her. Or you can buy something for that lady in your life to make up for that big screw up that I know you're going to make with her. Now, Dr. Barfield, do you have any organization you'd like to see people donate to? I don't. Just your local tithe to your local church. <laughs> That's fine for us here. Now, Dr. Belvier, there was a funny story in your book, Openness Unhindered. Now, mm-hmm. it, it, it involves you being in a kitchen, I believe, with these ladies from <laughs> church preparing things mm-hmm. beforehand, the meals and such. And then one of the ladies just says, is it hard for you, you know, that two of us being here like like us? And you're thinking of broke as me, don't flatter yourself, sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... I think there are some people who do look at my thing wonder, yeah, but, you know, sometimes we do wonder, how should we relate to the person we meet who is struggling with homosexuality? Right, right. Well, first of all, I don't. we're all struggling with something. Yeah. So don't presume that someone who experiences same-sex attraction is universally attracted to all members of her own sex. I mean, just that's just ridiculous. No more um, than I'm universally no, attracted to all women in the same way. Exactly. That's just it's just it's an absurd mm. interpretation. And and the other is to know that if you meet somebody who's actually struggling against homosexuality, that's a that's somebody who's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. The the people who are potentially you know, I would say the people who are potentially dangerous to you in the church are the people who either don't know what sin pattern against which they struggle mm. or the people who hide it, who say, you know, I've got this whole porn thing under control. Mm. Don't, you know, just, just forget it. And so, you know, I would just say that we all have to prayerfully sanctify our relationships mm-hmm. with everybody that's just true across the board. So we're to encourage people to do that, but do not presume that people who struggle with same-sex attraction are any more likely to stumble in those ways than anybody else would. Mm-hmm. I remember I used to work with someone who was a guy. I don't think he was a Christian, but he was known to be a homosexual and such. And my thinking was always, I just treated him just like anyone else when I was going on my yeah, lunch break absolutely. and he wanted, and he was going to the same time. He said, why don't we go to a restaurant together? I mean, I know he's not asking mm-hmm. me out on a date or anything like that. So, absolutely. Sure, absolutely. Let's just that's go. Right. And that's what that's we right. did. That's right. And, you know, we, we all come to this, mm-hmm. to this life with not only sin, not only patterns of sin, but also other patterns of, of brokenness. Mm-hmm. And learning related issues and uh, and and various social and other dynamics and other struggles. And so Christians would do well to show themselves to the world mm-hmm. as people who are not afraid to meet you where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, the gospel meets you where you are. And then it moves you by the power 
of the Holy Spirit illuminating the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power that he produced on that cross that his resurrection has given to believers. And so Christians would do do well to be a model of that in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really does mean that we need to know our neighbors and love our neighbors, and we need to be willing to be earthly good to our neighbors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Christians should not be known as people who just make sneaky little raids into culture, hiding behind either their screen on social media or, or other things. Mm-hmm. That's not helpful. It's not kind. People are not our enemy. Mm-hmm. Sin is our enemy. People who yeah. identify as, as gay, they're not our enemy. Right. Our enemy is sin. Mm-hmm. And we need to stay focused on that. Yeah. What do you think, in fact, when people hear t- talk about Christians, when it comes to homosexuality or anything, and they describe Christians as being anti-sex, for instance, just they, mm-hmm. they oppose Christians enjoying sex with one another? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, in general, I think that these general attacks mm-hmm. about all Christians do that or all people who identify as gay does Mm -hmm. this or, you know, and those are, that's how, that's how sloppy thinkers argue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you, and you see this in the world and especially from an apologetics position, if you can't make a point, apparently the rule now is insult your opponents. Right. That's now I would just say, you know, that's off the table. You have to be able to make your point. And I would even go further to say you have to make your point with evidence, not by analogy. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me what it's like. Tell me what it is. Mm-hmm. So um, so I would say that's just one of the ways that that's just one of the ways that a culture that has lost its ability to argue a point intellectually functions in a world of disagreements. Mm-hmm. And it does so by hurling insults instead of sharpening ideas. Mm-hmm. So call it for what it is and help help people to go back and do their homework. Mm-hmm. Dr. Barfield, um, we're near the time of the end, unfortunately, here. And something that I'm thinking about is that there could be someone out there listening right now who's mm-hmm. a Christian and or maybe even wanting to be a Christian, but they're struggling with homosexual temptation. And we're saying, Dr. Bofield, right, it looks like right. you've overcome this. You're enjoying a married life with a man now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just don't see that happening right now. And I'm really wanting to, but it's not. What do you say to someone like me? Yeah, I would say that, that in some ways, that's just not the point. I, I would have never claimed to have been converted out of homosexuality. Mm. I was converted out of unbelief. Mm. that's the point. The point is to know who you are before a holy God and then to walk in his calling for you. Um, Marriage is not a higher calling than singleness. Not Mm. at all. In fact, Paul would say just the opposite. Mm -hmm. So, so we need to be clearer with our language and our understanding. We are not converted out of, out of, you know, homosexuality or drunkenness or whatever the sin pattern is, we're mm-hmm. converted out of unbelief. That's mm-hmm. a sin. And that's a big sin. That's the biggest one. Right. You know, we, we could say that one of the things we all still struggle with is learning to trust in God 
regardless yes, of whatever sin it is that we're dealing with. In fact, we could That's even right. argue that all of those sins are somehow showing a lack of trust that we still have. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's right. And I, and I would say that the sins that I've gone on to commit as a Christian mm-hmm. are more heinous to the Lord than the sins that I committed as an unbeliever. Uh-huh. Because when I commit sin as a Christian, I am committing sin against the the against my Lord, right? And that's different. So, to any unbeliever out there listening, I would say that the the responsibility is on Christians to be um, to be more loving mm-hmm. and more sensitive and more caring, and the responsibility on mm-hmm. unbelievers is to is to take the risk mm-hmm. of exploring what it means to live for Christ mm-hmm. and to not be afraid to take that risk, mm-hmm. to know that Christ will never let you down. Mm-hmm. I like to remind everyone also that uh, there were some issues we only got to scratch the surface on today and such, <laughs> but if you go back to past archives, if you want about the Bible and homosexuality, we had Robert Gagnon on with us back in October of 2013, and for the issue of homosexuality also was touched a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, we interviewed Nancy Piercy on her book, Love Thy Body, which... Oh, such a good book. Oh, yes. I saw you endorsed it. It's an excellent read. Yeah. <laughs> I told her, I, I love this book, and I hate it. I love it because it's got so many great insights. I hate it because it was all sitting right there for me, and I never got to put it together before that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's yeah. a great way of... <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Dr. Butterfield, the book that got me interested in talking about this is Openness Unhindered, Fervor Thoughts of an Unlikely Comfort on Sexual Identity and Union with Christ. If anyone's wanting to get it, right now on Kindle, it's $9.99, the paperback is 13 bucks, and the audio CD is nineteen ninety six. Dr. Butterfield, do you have a, a, a blog, website, and email where people can get in touch with you if they want to find out more about yeah. you? I have a website, and that's just rosariabutterfield.com. Okay. And that's R-O-S-A-R-I-A and then Butterfield. Yep. Yep. That's right. That's right. And I have a book coming out um, in April. Oh. And it's called called The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Practicing Radically Ordinary Hospitality in a Post-Christian World. Well, we would be glad to interview you on that book here whenever it comes out. (laughs) Well, thank you, Nick. Thank you. Okay. Well, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave for Deeper Waters audience? I don't, except for that, um, again, the Lord will never leave you. The Lord will never disappoint you. Mm-hmm. People will betray you. The Lord will not. You can mm-hmm. put your faith and your trust in Him. And um, and it's been an honor to talk with you today, Nick, and your, mm-hmm. and your listeners. Thank you so much. And I'd like to let everyone know that next week we're going to have a Paul and Lori Biody on. They run two separate blogs. Paul runs the XY Code, helping women understand men. And Lori runs the Generous Wife. And we're going to be talking with them together about marriage issues and such. But for now, I'm Nick Peters, and I am signing off. <laughs>